The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Gratitude, radical gratitude. Radical, we talked about means from the inside out. It's the core of who you are. Radical doesn't mean it's something you think about and do sometimes. Radical means it's what you actually are. This is what I am. And so no matter how much you scratch through, all you're going to find deeper is gratitude, which means when the troubles of life come on us, it's not anger or resentment or spitefulness that comes out, but it's gratitude. Radical gratitude is the kind of gratitude that they have in the Holocaust when they're sitting in a concentration camp and yet still finding reasons to be thankful. And you can read stories on that. If you read about Anne Frank or you go through and you read these different stories of the Holocaust, gratitude is something that was often shared and expressed even in those terrible places. People thankful because someone shared a crumb of bread or shared their water or distracted a guard so that somebody would not get in trouble. All these things are just a gratitude that welled up inside even in the worst situations. That's radical gratitude. It's the kind of gratitude that Paul and those had in their beatings and in imprisonment, and that God set them free because they're expressing gratitude and thanksgiving and praise to God even in those circumstances. So that's radical gratitude. It's not based on something good happening to us. It's based on something good from God happening in us. And it is completely unchanged by circumstance. So now, this month, we're going to focus on radical generosity. And we're talking about generosity that is not conditioned upon whether or not our outside circumstance looks prosperous, whether or not things are going well. But we're talking about generosity that in every circumstance of life, no matter what's going on, that the generosity just continues to flow out of us at all times, in all situations and circumstances. And so this is what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks, and we're going to be focused on how gratitude moves us from the place of expressing thanks to the place of doing actions that express generosity. And that that's how God works. So uh, we're going to turn, uh, we're going to look at a few verses right now. And, um, well, let me say this differently, a few words from verses. Because I want you to think about which one of these words are the most dominant in your faith. Like, when you think about your walk with Christ, and you think about your walk as a believer, which one of these words has the most kind of just mind space? Where you think about it, it's kind of what you talk about. Okay, wealth, prosperity. Now, I say, well, well, I don't think about wealth. I'm not greedy. So finances. Let's just rephrase it. Finances, money, okay? How much do we think about that? How much do you think about prayer? How much is that? Well, I'm thinking about prayer all the time because that's my walk, and I'm always thinking about praying. How much do you think about grace? Well, I need God's grace every morning. You know, I need it all the time. That's what I think about. How much do you think about belief? Well, I got to believe. I got to I gotta believe. I just got to believe God. I got to trust God. I got to believe. How much do you think about faith? Oh, I stir up my faith. I got to be faithful. I, gotta, I just got to have faith. You should have faith. Oh, I know you're going through a hard time. You got to have faith. We talk about that sin. Oh, I screwed up again today. Oh, I screwed up yesterday. Boy, they screwed up again today. Boy, they screwed up yesterday. I bet you they'll screw up tomorrow. But I'll probably be better tomorrow. So I can judge them today. Kind of like pre. Anybody ever watch Popeye growing up? I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Remember that guy? You know, it's like, I'll judge you today for a problem you're probably going to commit tomorrow. Like, we just want to just be on top of other people more than ourselves, right? But we get more grace. But sin, something we think about. Our hearts. 
Oh, God, work on my heart. I got pain in my heart. I need forgiveness in my heart. Lord, my heart's struggling. Jesus. We think about Jesus all the time. He's the center of our faith, right? So I'm going to give you some numbers that go with these words, okay? This is how many times the Bible uses the word wealth, 117. Okay, this is how many times it uses the word grace, 131. The word pray, 121. The word believe, 160. The word faith, 270. The word sin, 474. The word heart, 577. The word Jesus, 1,273, right? So Jesus has a priority, right? Almost 1,300 compared to the next highest one was less than half of that, 577. Okay, so there is a lot of just kind of these words that God uses throughout the Bible. Now check this one out. Because there's a secret in God's words. You just read through, and you read through enough, right? Sometimes if you re- just read something over and over again, you start, oh, there's a theme. There's something, there's a message in here. There's an extra message in here that you don't get the first time you read it. Like, I watched that movie four times, and I just realized, like, this is going on in the background. This was what was happening. And so here is a word that is in the middle of the Bible, all those pages, that's used 1,000. 981 times. That's a lot, right? To just use that word over and over and over. Do you think if that word is used over and over and over and over and over again, that word versus Jesus is 1,273, he's the center of our faith, he's what everything is about, this word is used almost 700 more times. It must be important, right? Can we agree on that? It's got to be significant. For some reason, God wants us to get a hold of this word. Do you know what the word is? Give. Almost 2,000 times the Bible uses the word give. 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 And you just read through, give. Oh, here's give again. Oh, here's give again. Oh, here's give again. That's a lot of times. Now, I've got kids, and I know if I use a word more than once, It's because I want someone to listen. Right? It's like, are you hearing me? I heard you. Apparently you're not because you're not doing it. I'm saying it again. Please do it. Why do you keep saying that to me? Because you're not doing it. I want you to understand what I'm telling you. Well, all through the Bible uses this word give over and over and over and over. Do you think he would use it so much if it was our natural way of living? our natural way of living was giving, like, oh, that's what I do. He wouldn't need to say it. The Bible doesn't continually say all through it, breathe. 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 Why doesn't it do that? It's pretty important to breathe, right? What would happen if you didn't breathe? Would all of us die if we didn't breathe, or just some of us? Wow. Amazing. We have that in common. If we don't breathe, we die. And yet it's so important, but the Bible doesn't constantly tell us to breathe. Because we do it naturally. The reason that he has to keep saying give, 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 give is because it's not natural for us. It's not what we want to do. We want to have. I was teaching Kira, our little baby, a game. My wife looks at me and she goes, now we're going to be in trouble with all the parents when she starts hanging out with the kids and gets older. She likes, and I don't even have it on, she likes my little blue, my little blue uh, generosity bracelet. Every time she sees it, she starts trying to pull it off. 
So I took it off, and I just put it in my mouth, and I like put my face by her, and she reaches out, grabs it, and tries to pull it. And so I hold it with my teeth, and then I let it go, or I let go with my mouth, let her pull it, and then I'm like, oh, you got it. And she cracks up every time. Every time she steals it from me, she thinks it's hilarious. Our natural thing is to take things away from people. It's to get ours. I need to get mine. I want to get that. Do you know sometimes if you go to like a, a place where there's like a, a healing line up front? Anybody ever been to a church and there's a healing line up front? There's different people praying? Have you ever gone up to a line like that to get prayed for? Anybody? You looking at that line? And I know some of you look up at that line you think, oh, I hope I get to that good prayer first. Oh, I know that person, man, that person's got, I need to get up there. You're not thinking about the person behind you that's in a wheelchair. You're just thinking, I'm faster than them because they're in a wheelchair. I can get up there and get my little neck sprain healed. You're not like, oh, everybody clear the way, I'm pushing this guy up. Because our natural tendency is to think about what's good for me, what can I get, what's good for myself. And yet God's natural tendency is to give. And he puts it in his word over and over and over again. Now, he gave us breathing, and we breathe. And what does breathing do? Breathing is a benefit to ourself. It helps us, right? If we don't breathe, then the air, the oxygen, the life-giving oxygen that's inside of us turns into carbon monoxide or dioxide or whatever that carbon is. It's not good for us, and it fills us up. And then it no longer gives life. It just kills us. Because the life's already been used out of it. When God pours things into our life, if we keep them there and we don't breathe them back out, if we keep them, this is for me, I'm holding on to this. What happens is it starts to lose the life that's in it. And no matter how much you take in, the life is gone from it because it's not being breathed back out so that new and fresh can come back in. We're not just talking about money. There's a lot of things you can give. God calls us to be givers. And that's generosity. The Bible tells us that we enter his presence with thanksgiving, right? We talked about that. Gratitude brings us into God's presence. So that's the first place to where we go. Okay? And in God's presence is fullness of joy. And that we know God is love. And so really, gratitude brings us into the presence of God, and we experience the love of God. And as we experience the love of God, the natural thing that should happen from that is that we should live like God. So how does God live? What does love look like? Well, love expresses itself with generosity. Love gives. That's what it does. Love always looks to give. You love your kids, so what do you want to do? You want to give them stuff. You love your spouse, what do you want to do? You want to give them a hug. You want to give them a kiss. You want to be around them. You want to give your time. You want to give your energy. You want to give of yourself to what you love. That's what we do. And so with the word used so many times, and God using it to stir us up, to try to point us in the direction that's going to be helpful to us so we can live like him, then that becomes the kind of the, the wind that, that stirs and fans the flame of our love for God. It allows that to breathe through our life, to continue to give and to do what he wants. You know, my dad is a hunter, and I love my dad. And so as a kid, I'm like, I love my dad. So what did I want to do? I wanted to give my dad something. And so I got him a coat. Saved up my money. I bought him a coat. It was $80. As a little kid, 
in a poor family with seven kids, $80 is a lot of money. So I bought him a hunting coat. Problem is, I'm not a hunter. I don't know anything about hunting. So I bought my dad a camouflage coat because that's a hunting coat. I don't know what material it's made out of, but it's one of those materials where every time you move, it's like, like you literally can't move an inch without making like totally disco sounds, like you're a DJ. So I gave it to my dad. My dad takes it out, and he's like, wow. I'm like, it's a hunting coat. He's like, awesome. And it never went hunting, which is okay. That's why I'm still talking about it 20-something years later. But my heart was to give. I didn't even know how to give something. Is that good? Okay, I think I bumped you. I put it on the back. I didn't even know how to give something good. It wasn't even my knowledge or my ability to give something good. The desire was just so strong. I just wanted to give. That's what love does. It causes us to just want to give. And so generosity comes out. And if we have the love of God, which is amazing and awesome and perfect, God is love. God's love is radical because it is who he is. Then God is generous. God gives all the time. Then our heart becomes the same. It's full of God's love and giving constantly wants to come out. I want to give. I want to give. I want to give. I want to give. I remember giving my sister at Christmas time. I remember all these old gifts. I'm thankful that my kids are smarter than I was as a kid. But I had a little plastic pickle whistle. It literally looked like a dill pickle, and it had holes in it. And on the end was a whistle, and it was like a little recorder that was like this long, and it looked like a pickle. And I don't know why, but I loved that thing. That was like my prized possession <laughs> as a kid. And I wrapped it up, and I gave it to my sister for Christmas. And she didn't like it, so I ended up getting it back. Praise God. <laughs> But I wanted to give her something that was important, something that mattered. It wasn't even that valuable to her, but it was to me, and I wanted to give it away. Love doesn't just cause us to want to give something that somebody else necessarily even needs at the moment. It causes us to want to give something that's a sacrifice. Like we want it to cost us something. You know, in the Bible, David had an opportunity to give an offering, and somebody offered to give him what he needed for the offering for free, and he said, I will not sacrifice, I will not give what costs me nothing. He wanted to give something to the Lord that cost him, something that hurt a little, because that was part of the love of it, is that this cost me. I had to work for this. I had to do this. And so that's where God wants us to be at. Here's how love expresses itself. John 3, 16. Most of us know this verse. Some of us may not. But this is the outworking of love. It naturally wants to give. We see it in the example of God. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he did what? That's right, Ernest. The Bible says that he gave his only son so that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Love caused an immediate reaction of giving. Giving something that cost. Giving something that was hard. Giving something that was more than just the extra. Well, God so loved the world that he sent a couple of angels down. I got a lot of those. Send a few. I got a ton of angels. Boom. There you go. Have some. I'll share. Love isn't sharing. Love is giving at a cost. This matters. It's yours. You can have it. That's love. 
And so that's what radical generosity looks like. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, think about it, he's in heaven, he has everything, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. As he gave what cost him. He left heaven, he came down here, he walked among us, he took on a body. He was punished, he was wounded for our transgressions, he's hurt, he gave up, and he gave up his dignity, and he gave up his rights, and he gave up something that cost him, why? So that we could have what he had. See, love creates a desire to give radically. Not just a desire to give extra or sparingly, but to give radically. Well, if I give that much, I won't have anything. We're not just talking about money. If I forgive everybody, I won't have anything to hold on to. Make myself feel better. The hurt. Won't be able to hold this against him anymore. That gives me strength. Radical generosity gives what costs, including forgiveness. Jesus told his disciples, man, you got to forgive. He said, well, how often? What's the deal? 70 times 7. The point wasn't a number. So I've heard people say, well, that's like 4,950 4, times. I've kept a record. It's been 3,700 times that my spouse has done this. <laughs> At this rate, in six months, I can leave. I've heard people keeping track, literally. I've heard some keep, like trying to keep track. Talking about the numbers. That wasn't the point. His point was, you just keep doing it. Well, that hurts. That doesn't give me justice. You know what? No, it costs. Because love costs something. Radical generosity costs something. Giving forgiveness, giving encouragement. You know, the Bible tells us as often as we come together to encourage one another. Well, I don't have any encouragement myself. I'm depressed. I'm down. I'm discouraged. I'm going through a hard time. Encourage them. It's like, oh, I have to get out of my mood for a minute. Say something I don't want to say. Yeah, it costs to motivate yourself. Walk in and say, hey, you're going to make it. You're going to do good. Somebody else is doing well. They're doing better than me, and I'm going to go compliment, honor, and lift them up. I don't want to do that. Just reminds me of how small I am. I haven't succeeded yet. How I failed at something. I don't want to tell them. Nobody's noticed me yet. You know, it costs something. You're doing a good job. I love you, man. You're making it. I'm proud of you. Man, I'm excited about what you're doing. It inspires me. It costs to give things that matter. And yes, it's talking about money too. It costs. It costs to give. It costs to take out of our own pocket money that we worked hard for, money that we made, because that's a direct tie to our time and our energy and anything else we could have traded in life for it. And so to give it away is to give a piece of ourself away. Literally. It took me eight hours to get that. That's eight hours I could have done this. I could have done that. I could have done this. I'm giving it to... That costs something. It matters. But we give in love. And so God wants to give to us and then he wants to give through us. This is what he wants to do. It's a, it's a process. He gives to us. He gives us his love. He gives his forgiveness. He blesses us with joy. He blesses us 
with peace of mind. He blesses us with wisdom. He blesses us with all these things. He blesses us with taking care of our needs, our physical needs, giving us money and jobs and things like that. And all of those things that come in, God wants us to turn around and to give out. He wants to give to us, and then he wants to give through us. Everything that you receive from the Lord, God wants to pass through you. He doesn't want it to stop. He doesn't want it to become stagnant. If you become lukewarm to giving, you will become lukewarm to God. Because giving is what God does. And the reason that he tells us to give so many times is because he knows if we will continue to give, that we will continue to experience who he is, because that is what he does. And if I continue to give, I continue to pour out, even in my darkest times, I'm trying to take care of someone, I'm trying to help someone, I'm trying to bless someone, I'm trying to do something, then we're staying in the mode of love. And that will keep that first flame, that fire of God's love burning in our heart. It keeps a dependence on him. I'm giving something that costs me. Lord, I'm giving forgiveness, which means I have to rely on you, Lord, for justice. I have to rely on you to help me through this because I can't let bitterness be my, my crutch and my strength. See, it draws us back to him. Lord, I'm giving finances that I don't have right now. I'm really broke right now. I don't have a lot, but I'm giving some out of my poverty, which means now I have to come back to you and trust you to take care of my needs. God, I'm giving encouragement, and I feel down, but as I give it, Lord, your word says in Proverbs that those who water others will be watered, those who refresh others will be refreshed. So I believe that you will cause someone to come and encourage me. It constantly takes us back to the source because, oh, I'm out. i got to go back. But if we never run out because we keep holding on to it, we don't have to keep on living with the source. We just become isolated, alone, by ourselves. And then what happens? They go stale. The water goes stale. Say, well, I'm still full. Yes, you are. But it's stale and it's warm and it don't taste good anymore. If you just pour it out, you can go back and get it filled up with something fresh, something new, something clean, something pure, something cold, right from the hand of God pouring into your life. Isaiah 53, we're going to read this whole passage. And it's long, so we'll be out of here by like 4 o'clock. Get ready. We're going to read this because this is a description of what God is talking about when he's talking about giving and loving. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Well, he didn't just give him like a gift and we open him up and boom, there he is. He gave him to suffer and to be a sacrifice for our sins, for the things that we've gone through, that we've done, that we have done that separate us from God. He's given us this. And so this is, he left heaven for this. It says, verse 1, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now it's talking about Jesus. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and he was held in low esteem. He left the glory of heaven for this. You ever felt rejected, despised, of low esteem, unattractive, unwanted? He put himself in that position because his love 
motivated him to give of his glory and his honor and his goodness to come and sacrifice for us so that we could then experience the goodness and the glory of God in our own lives. God says, surely he took up our pain and, be, and he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. When Jesus went through his problems and his difficulties and his trials on earth, people said, oh, that's his fault. They didn't understand that he was taking that on for us. That he was going through these things. It says, but he was pierced. It's talking about the spear that went through his side for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. He's giving of his body. He's giving of his life in order to bring healing to us. So what he's going through, we're not talking about just giving. He didn't even just shower down some blessing. He literally came down and he gave all of who he is. It cost him. That's the kind of giving that God is made of. As we sang in our songs today, we are the, what, children of God. Our giving should look like our fathers. Our giving should cost. Our giving should hurt. Our giving should be looked at by people that aren't believers as radical. Wow, that's radical. I don't know how they give forgiveness like that. I could never do that. I don't know how they give encouragement like that. Man, I would never do that. I don't know how they give affection like that. Man, I would never do that. I don't know how they open their home for hospitality and let people in there. I would never do that. That's radical. I don't know how they'd ever give money like that. That's crazy. Putting that in my 401, my 602, my 2349. I'm betting a lot of it on 46. Hoping the marble lands. I'm putting it everywhere. But I would never do that. That's radical. That's when someone looks at the children of God, what they should think. And they are radical. They're radically grateful. Man, that guy's in a terrible job. Like, they got him, like, out cleaning, like, outhouses and doing gross stuff. His pay isn't any good, but look at that guy, man. He whistles while he works. He acts like it's a good job. That's radical, man. I'd be complaining and upset and looking for a different job, and that's disgusting. You don't pay me enough. But something about those people is different. That's the level God wants us to live at, that people literally see and go, wow, that is really radical. Because they are what? Different. They're children of God. Something's changed. It's actually expressing and living out of us. It says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Verse 6, each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He could have ended it all. Hey, I want justice. I didn't do this. I want justice. It's not me. You know, some of us have been in situations where we've gone through hard things, and the accusation was false, and the people were talking about us, or they were saying things, and we could have cleared it all up, but we had to just stop and say, you know what? Keep my mouth shut. I'm just going to keep moving forward. Just keep giving, keep being generous, keep trying to love on people, keep trying to forgive, keep doing those things, and it doesn't matter. I'm just going to keep doing that. And that's what he did. He just shut his mouth and continued to give. It says, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet, who of this generation protested? For he was out, cut off from the land of the living. 
for the transgressions of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, an offering, offering is something freely given. That's what it is. You freely give it. This is mine, I freely give it. He made his life an offering that Jesus freely gave his life for you so that you could experience new life in him. It says, he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils of the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sins of many and made intercessions through the transgressors. It's talking about that after the giving, after the suffering, after doing what costs to give to someone else who needs, the honor and blessing even greater than before gets poured on him. And people come into the family of God through him. God wants to use us the same way. God wants us to give of ourselves and give of our life and give of our time and give of our energy and give of our hope and give of our joy and give of our finances into such a radical way that it costs us something, but with the hope and the knowledge that as we do and we minister and love on and care for other people, that God will use what we're doing to build up their life and to draw them to him and his goodness and his love and draw them into his family And that in the end, it'll increase our glory and our honor and our inheritance in God's family as well. But the beginning of it is with the cost. The beginning of it is with laying down what we have to give it to him to use for others so that he can then pour back in. This is what we're talking about, radical, unbelievable gratitude. God wants to give to us, and then he wants to give through us. That's what it's about. That's a totally different way than what the world lives. It's all about the Spirit of God living in us. And if it does, His love lives in us. And if His love lives in us, then the result is this passionate desire to give beyond what we normally would. And the first gift that we're talking about is God's gift to us through Jesus. So I just want to give an opportunity. If you are here today, you say, man, you know what? I've, this is what I have. This, Bible, this verse talks about it. Suffering for our sin, for our oppression, for our mistakes, for our screw-ups, for all our stuff. Is that he came down and suffered on the cross, died for those things, gave of himself to take our place and our spot so we wouldn't have to do that. And the Bible says that if we will confess with our mouth and believe in him, that we'll be saved, that we'll have everlasting life. In other words, God will take all of our junk and garbage and brokenness, and he'll take that, and he'll give us a new heart, a new life. The Bible says it's being born again. In order to become true givers, we first have to be receivers. 
We have to receive him so that then his spirit will dwell up in us and his heart will begin to pour right out of our lives. So if you're here, let's have everybody close your eyes, bow your heads. If you're here, you say, man, I just want to give my life to the Lord. I haven't been serving the Lord. I want to trade what I have for what he's paid for. Then I just want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you to the front. I just want to see you and identify with you so I can pray for you. I see that hand. There's no uh, super trick to it. It's just the generosity of God. That's it. You just receive it. And if you're here, and I want to give this also, if you're here and you say, man, you know, I'm a believer, but my heart in some ways has grown kind of jaded, guarded, cold, whatever it might be, towards giving, stale. I don't feel generous. Then I want to pray for you as well. So if that's, if that's you, you just raise your hand and say, I need prayer for that. Because it's something that will really cool down the fire, the first love that God wants in us. God wants to work through us. All right, Father, I just pray right now, God, for... Lord, just your spirit, Lord, is it that work, God, to just bring, Father, a new life, Lord, to, Lord, the hand that was raised, God, to really surrender their life to you and begin to follow you, God, and accept you, Lord, as in the sacrifice that you made on the cross, Father, to give you their life. Lord, I pray right now that you begin to work in their heart, Lord, and begin to just bring new life. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for... God, the newness of life that comes in you. And I pray right now, God, that you will work that in their heart and their mind all the way through to the core. God, bring a sense, Father, of healing and a sense of forgiveness and refreshment. God, a new mind, a new heart, new relationship. God, experiencing your love, Lord, and the joy of the Lord would be her strength, God. Father, I pray for those that, Lord, are saying, I, you know, I need a refreshment of this generosity. I need my heart to be stirred. I need my mind to be stirred. I need to... I want to get back in connection with the love of God that it would begin to just cause me to have a, a deep desire to give and not be still or jaded or cold towards that. I want the love of God working in me to be a giver, to be generous, radically generous. Lord, I pray right now, God, that as they raise their hand, Lord, that you would just cause, Lord, your spirit, Lord, just to begin to refresh their mind and their heart. Lord, give them opportunities to give. Lord, allow them to see the needs around them and others around them, Lord, and stir up in their heart, Lord, a prompting and a motivation, Lord, through love to say, ooh, I can help with that. I can take care of that. I can come serve there. I can give to that. I can, Lord, speak this word of encouragement. I can give forgiveness. Lord, whatever needs to be given, Lord, give them the heart to see it, Lord, and the faith to do it. God, I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for your great generosity to us. Lord, you have been so, so good to us, Father. Thank you for letting us be your children, Lord. Thank you for bringing us into your house, Lord. Thank you for building our lives and giving us of your good and mighty treasures from heaven, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. guys. There's food and stuff outside, things to hang out with. We've got lots of chips and guac and stuff, so stick around and eat. If you want prayer, if you're here and you say, hey, I just want some prayer. The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free.